Welcome to New England Taken to BKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Be sure to check out all the back episodes of the show at nhtalkradio.com, as well as searching for the New England Take on all your favorite podcast platforms. Excited to welcome a musician back in studio. I've uh, been trying to have it a little more frequently, but uh, COVID and gigs and albums coming out from various musicians have made it difficult. But I finally have Mike Laughlin in the studio, who's someone I met previously when I was producing Granite State of Mind here at WKXL, and uh, follow, it's a fun follow on Facebook for sure. <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey, hey, what's up, AJ? No, you want to pull that a little closer to you there, but yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to have you in studio. I, it's start off with your music a, a bit, and we'll dive into the world and what's going on with that because we both definitely have opinions, and um, I I don't get to discuss the world too much in the show as I have journalists and such because they can't and shouldn't. Let me say that they shouldn't be giving as much of their opinions necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited when I get someone who's outside of the industry a bit, but um, I, I love I love your style of playing. It's like cool. it's it seems like you do you primarily do uh, just you solo playing guitar and singing. I mean, for right now, I mean I've been in bands in the mm-hmm. past, but right now I'm doing I would say it's the commerce part. Yeah. So I mean I do cover songs and I'll throw in like three or four originals over the course of a night. But yeah, play cover songs around the state, mostly Lakes Region North. Mm-hmm. But occasionally down south, but not often as much as I'd like to. Or it is it, what it is. It's yeah. all more saturated, I'd imagine, as you go further south. It's it is. It's different. It's also just I stopped trying to get booked because I can only. I mean, I have a vocal throat kind of vocal cord issue, so I can't play back to back nights right now. At least it's mm-hmm. tough for me. So I'm like, you know, I don't want to overbook. So I'm like, I got my gigs in at least once a week. Mm-hmm. I'm good. You know, I'd love to. It's it would be great, but for now, I'm staying with that. It's important to take care of yourself. I mean, you don't important. want to blow. I mean, <laughs> how many musicians have just destroyed themselves and they had to take a decade off to do other things, and then they got to find their way back into the industry? Which I is mean, hard. I don't have Adele's pipes or doctors or money to uh, go through that, so I I gotta be careful. Mm-hmm. Hey, how how do you go about finding gigs? It seems like you have a few restaurants and bars and stuff you hit on a regular basis, which is great to see, even though from a local musician. Yeah, I, it was word of mouth to start. Mm-hmm. Because I was in a band called Mantra, and um, we were, I mean, for New Hampshire, we were all right. We had a well-known mm-hmm. audience of people who go, oh, we like you. Um, but then I just, some people started here, and then I got, like, little, I'd send out emails, you know, <laughs> hey, connections somehow. Open. And then I'd send them some kind of clip of me, and they'd be like, all right, you passed our test, so you're in. Yeah, that's great to see. I mean, how how do you find that mix between your 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 songs that you wrote versus covers? In a place it like depends that? on the vibe of the place. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware. You kind of know, like, okay, you know, here we are. They want to hear this, and I'm not. Okay, I always this is my this is my creed when it comes to playing cover songs. Mm-hmm. I'll play songs that you know, but haven't been done to death. Like, if you go ask for Country Road, I'm not playing it. You're gonna hear it every week. Every person's going to play Country Road. And guess what? I actually don't even know the words to the song other than Country Road. Okay? I don't play Mustang Sally. I don't play uh, uh, whatever you're co- – what's the other one? Uh, Freebird. Freebird or uh, <laughs> what's the new Freebird one there? Uh, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish guy redid it. Oh. No, the, uh, the band, uh, who is it? What's the um, – I can't think of it right now. But, uh, you know, there's certain ones that are just, like, obvious. And don't get me wrong. I throw Wonderwall in there too oh, yeah. sometimes. I saw it on your page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, but like I I don't I dis I don't play a song I dislike. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. I can't sing a song I dislike. 
Um, Wagon Wheel, by the way, is the other song. Wagon Wheel. <laughs> yeah, this. Uh, this is a W. Um, Wonderwall gave it to me. Um, but I try to kind of play songs I love, and that limits me because I don't know as many songs as like other people. So I go, ah, I'll play that song because I like it. So I can play like a ton of songs, but like Radiohead and Oasis and U2 and Pearl Jam and a few others. But then I'm like, I can do one or two. You, you get the perfect vocal range, it seems like, for that sort of stuff, too. It's, Some it's, of them get pretty high, but it seems like you have the good mid-range. It's, it's something. It, it depends on the night. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, yeah, I have, I have a certain voice that lends itself to certain. And again, maybe that's why I choose to sing those songs. Mm-hmm. It might just be more natural for me. I, don't, I can't tell that. Um, but, you know, it's, that's kind of how it works out for me. You were one of the first musicians I really saw begin to, after COVID started going back a bit, to immediately start hitting gigs again. I mean, what was it like when uh, you first started uh, going out to restaurants and stuff performing? It was, it felt like, you know, everyone's waking up from a slumber. Mm -hmm. It was kind of weird because it was not as busy at first. And I think the places that, there were some places that were like, screw it, we're going, yeah, we're doing it. And then there were some places that were, it was careful from the kind of management and the people who were coming in. So it was kind of a let's see what happens for a little bit. Some places stopped doing gigs. There were mm-hmm. some places that I kind of like went to and they go, okay, we're going to stop for a while again. Um, <clears throat> it depended on the place. Then around, I think I started playing again in the summertime, maybe August or September, maybe even of that when everything opened up in 2020. Um, it was, it was, it was gradual, and then it kind of just like, all right, let's do this again. Yeah. So as, as soon as the first few drips happens, like there comes the waterfall. I think people waited to see other play, people if they were in yeah. a certain area. If bad things would start happening or not. Well, well, they also said like, well, they did it, so we're doing it too because yeah. we can't get everyone take our customers. So <laughs> there is business involved. Oh in yeah, definitely. So. How I mean, how did it feel as a musician to begin to finally get back out? It was it was nice because. I think every single person needs, I mean, some people go work out, some people, you need an outlet. And for me, music is my outlet. So mm-hmm. I can sit home on a couch and play guitar and that gives us one reward. Yeah. But like playing for other people, even if it's 12 people at a bar, it doesn't sometimes matter. It's like an outlet to other people are listening and it's, you're sharing something mm-hmm. and that's, it's all, I mean, this get all mystical or something but like that there is something to that oh yeah 100 percent. like i i i've studied music in college like i I was a tenor sax player jazz did some solo stuff but what killed me about the academic world of of music is it's a lot of times practicing and just playing for your your teacher or tons of rehearsals and oh you'll perform once at the end of the semester i'm like Oh, it's like, as, especially as a jazz guy that left improv and stuff like that, it's like, I want the reaction from the crowd. And I didn't get that. And it's part of the reason why I started doing this crap is well, because I get well, that immediate reaction. Well, you also, as a as a sax player, a jazz player, you're also definitely feeding off other musicians. Yes, you need so that band. if you don't have any interaction, you can't, it's kind of like, it's like, it would be like if I was sitting here and I just had acapella. Mm-hmm. I mean... You can pull it off, but it's not interesting. Like, yeah. You can sit here with your sax, and it can sound great, but like you need the interaction. Yeah, and that's that's lost. I think people forget like, it's such a it's a power. Music is, music has a. I mean, every musician knows when they play with other people in a band or in some kind of setting when you're other with, together. There's that strange feeling when you create something from nothing, and you all kind of look at each other when you're done and go, 
can you feel that? I'm like, where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? <laughs> it was just completely improv, just yeah. kind of spontaneous. And it was like, there's something, goosebumps, you know? There's something about that that's special, so. How often do you write new songs? Whenever. Whenever it, whenever it's it hits. Fancy there. It's, I mean, there's, there's, again, it's another one of those things that sounds supernatural or something, but like, just sit there with the guitar and then sometimes the fingers just start doing something mm -hmm. and then I'll kind of just hum a melody and then the melody will become something and that'll turn into, oh, I'll add a few words here and it's like, it just fell. It's, I mean, it's channeling. Mm -hmm. There's no other better way to put it. Mean, it's not like I sit, I think the best songs come in the kind of pop music. Rock is pop music and that yeah. kind of pop music thing come from happy accidents mm -hmm. if you sit there and think about it too much that's i'm not saying you, that isn't important yeah. but there's like, different people that do it different ways and if you're in nashville or something and you're writing for a publisher or something you have to, obviously you have to do it that way but if you're someone that just for the love of music enjoys doing it, you got to wait for that vibe to hit you there's well there's even those people mm -hmm. i it comes the best stuff comes instantly every song i've ever written i can't name you if I would say the top five or six songs I've ever written, they all came, at least 90% of them just came out. Mm -hmm. Now, do you go back and piecemeal it? Yes, you do. Yeah. Do you work on it? Yes, you do. Yeah, it shouldn't be done at first draft, just like writing an article exactly, or a exactly, book or anything. Exactly, but the kind of that transferring it all to the to the physical world, <laughs> is it just happens. Usually the best one is kind of like a flood. Now, what's what's it feel like right now with other musicians you encounter at, at gigs and such? Or are, are they starting to feel like we're ignoring the numbers right now? Obviously, the COVID. Let's acknowledge for starters, the COVID numbers are disastrous right now, and uh, definitely follow uh, WKXL in the morning uh, from six to eight AM here on KXL for a little more analysis on on that from the New Hampshire Bulletin and such. But bypassing the current spike we're seeing. I mean, what's it like in the music community with gigs beginning to reappear? Like, I'm seeing Area 23 starting to blow up. Like, Andrew North is out there a whole bunch uh, promoting his new album and music and such. What are you seeing? Well, again, to be fair, I'm north of here where yeah. it's less congested and less people, and so it's a little different. But I think for the most, for the most part, the people who I saw three years ago mm -hmm. playing out are all playing out now. Great. Um, that doesn't mean there is everyone. Everyone has their own decisions and choices, but it's, for the most part, it feels like this is what I do, mm -hmm. you know? And everyone takes their own risk assessment then, and you go, okay, I'm I'm cool with this. And that's all, I mean, I guess that's what it, your choice to do, you know? Mm -hmm. are, are we still in the, the uh, for the audience, does it feel like you're still in the honeymoon of everything's back open, so excited, or is it kind of back to normal for the audience, you feel? I think, again, it's weird, because some, I think people want it to be normal. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a mindset that if you want it to be normal, it is normal. If you don't, it's not. Right. So... This is the confusing thing about COVID right now is everyone talks about it like there's people dying in the streets like it's the Black Death when it's very much people are at home. And you don't necessarily see it. Like I go to work and, yeah, everyone's at work for the most part. One or two people might be out because you're talking how many how many people live in the state? How many millions? And it's, yeah, 1.5 or something. Yeah, and it's uh, like there's 500 hospitalizations, which is big, but – Again, I don't want to go into if I don't know about. Mm -hmm. I don't. I can't talk about that stuff because I don't know the details. 
so I don't want to just say stuff, but mm. um, it feels like it feels like someone told me to watch some terrible, scary film, and you got to see this. And I turn on, I got the made-for-TV version. Again, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't have its chills, mm-hmm. but it's like not what, it doesn't feel in your gut the way you've been told it is. And that makes it tricky because, mm-hmm. again, I can't talk to, I don't, there's certain data I don't understand and don't know. Right. So I don't want to get into stuff I don't understand. But we all have eyes and mm-hmm. we all know people and you go like, okay, um, I don't know, you know. That's, yeah. That, that's, oh yeah. That, if, I think if it was if it was obvious to all of us, if it was obvious, mm-hmm. people would want to be more. I think there'd be a greater unity of, good lord, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And I think the confusing part is that you have, let's just say, competing interests up going on here, right? And that's what makes it tricky because, and then everything is viewed through kind of out of this binary lens now, which is awful, and it's so frustrating. So. You have to take its side, and that's and, and there's very few who can kind of walk that narrow in between, and then that's the most of the people who kind of get all the eggs thrown at them because like you're not on either side, and that's what's so annoying. So, oh yeah, great, I hundred percent agree. It's um, it, it, you walk around like everyone at first, like when the lockdowns happen, we're like we don't understand anything that's going on. We have no data. Fair. There's something from <laughs> China where they're literally. Uh, welding people into their apartments and we're like oh god is this china being china or is this uh or is this seriously that bad and it turned out to be pretty damn bad but it's not in a pretty damn bad way where you see wounds on people there's people hacking along out in the streets there were some severe things you heard about from china where because they didn't know what happened at first, or at least the public didn't know, and there were there were people dying in the streets occasionally. Uh, but we didn't get that here because we have a proper medical system as flawed yeah. as it may be. You can't trust China. Yeah, I mean, for I, starters, I, I, let's, just, let's just say this right now: Taiwan is a country. <laughs> All right, I don't know what's going to happen to me now, but uh, no, but like, it's not. It doesn't. It's confusing. Yes, and I think everyone had every reason to be a little have trepidation the first month or two, mm-hmm. and and even to feel something further. But like, it's just it's just confusing, and I think the confusion makes it. You can kind of take whatever piece you want to see the world through, and you can argue it because you're getting mixed signals from yeah. everywhere, and that's a maddening. It's a it's it's creating a kind of psychosis. And how do you cure if, if you have a body? If how do you cure, if the left hand and the, and the right hand hate each other and they don't want to work together? You can't pick up the cup or you can't pick up the thing. You know you can't do these things together. So it's we're, it's it's a strange place and it's a meant again. It's not one one side is not completely right or wrong on this. There's a there's a kind of binary team thing going on here where you're, people are afraid to be seen and social media makes this way worse oh, yeah. because it's not even about and I do think I do think Trump did this to people's brains mm-hmm. there is a such thing as Trump derangement Trump. syndrome no, is real no it, it is real <laughs> maybe not in the way some people say it but like yeah. here this is I'll give you an example and yeah. I think this continues to now is because of social media if I have if me and my 10 friends or whatever all hate Trump if I happen to agree with them on something, I can't publicly say that mm-hmm. because my friends 
at the end of the day, people want their peer groups to like them. Right. So it's you, a natural it's human. Natural. Now, and usually your peer group would be pre-internet or pre-social uh, media. It would be, all right, I'll see you down at the bar. Or mm-hmm. We'll see you at the game or we'll see you over there, wherever. And no one else knows your opinions other than that moment in the time. Now, if everyone I say, even if I don't like the guy, if I happen to say, well, you know, the lab leak theory does seem genuine. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can't say that because now you're on Team Trump. Right. And then you can't move forward because now it's it's very religious. There's oh, yeah. religiosity to this. Yes. It's like he became this religious totem, a devil figure. And if you have a devil figure, you can't side with the devil ever or else you're – on the devil's side. So I mean that literally. Yeah. And so people couldn't handle that. And it doesn't mean by saying that it doesn't mean you have to like Trump. It just means that you, he made everything and everything an issue, mm-hmm. everything. And you had to take a stance. Yeah. And that met, it made it a, a horrible place for news, yeah. for he, social interactions. He was the personification of the horribleness that was already existing in my opinion. Like it's one thing it's, I think, uh, Ben Shapiro hit it perfectly right. He's uh, not the he's not the disease. He's the coroner, basically, of the of uh, politics and uh, culture right now. Uh, he 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 saw that the body was there and that and he's going to kick it a couple times. Go, yep, dead. <laughs> he, no, he is. He is again. There's so many things you can say about the guy that are 100 percent true, mm-hmm. good and bad. Oh like, yeah, all 100%. of those things. There's so, but. He did expose a lot of the things because no politician was going to ever talk the way Trump would because right. they have constituencies back home. Yeah. They have to appeal to their voters. Trump didn't care. No. He's the billionaire who funds people. He was that guy. Mm-hmm. So he didn't care. He has a kind of – he's kind of a mixture of like a Carl car salesman, uh, a WWE kind of like commentator, yeah. a kind of – uh, he's a huckster. He's also kind of like a the local gang leader in like you know in well, he's Brooklyn. He's so good at getting he's... people to side with him. It was just crazy. <laughs> Someone, I'm like I'm. I make it very clear on the show. I'm center right. Like I will vote Republican probably ninety percent of the time just because of the libertarian right feeling that I have on a lot of mm-hmm. subjects. Uh, I didn't vote for Trump the first time. I, it's like I also didn't vote for Hillary Clinton either. This is a whole other can mm-hmm. of worms. But when the second time came around, before January 6th, obviously, before Stop the Steal, obviously, I voted for Trump because I'm like, I'm not voting for this half-dead guy that's been living in his basement for six months. And the policies that his Trump's people put in place are pretty darn good from a conservative standpoint. He's – he's again, he's unique. And he yes. also – and also – and this is – I'm not political at all. Mm-hmm. I have – if you were to kind of generalize about me, I'm kind of loosely libertarian – and old school progressive, mm-hmm. there's like, but those kind, but I'm not those. I, but they're partially a good description. Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised because Trump also did a lot of things that the left would like. Yeah. In years past, and because it was Trump, you can't side with it. Right. And that's what makes it so depressing is that he's a he's a rich guy who is. I don't want to say he was completely anti-establishment because he's got his big toe in there too. Yeah. And he has his, let's just say, handlers too that mm-hmm. I think he owes people too. But he was this figure – I guess I would put it this way is if you're a nice person, nice guy or gal running for – to try and be that person to kind of break through the system, you're going to get eaten alive. Mm-hmm. You have to be a mud thrower. 
and Trump's king mud thrower, yes. and the, he takes the mud, and you throw it at him, and he takes it, he makes it to a bigger mud balls, and throws it back at you harder, because he doesn't have, there's a, there's a sociopathic quality yeah. in him, too. You, you don't have that, so it's interesting. It's very interesting, and this is a super interesting conversation. <laughs> Mike Laughlin, musician here. We've we got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back, and we're just continuing this conversation. At, at the end of the episode, we will be playing a couple of his songs, so please definitely tune in for that. You're listening to New England Take. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, now 101.9 FM Manchester. We're very excited to be now broadcasting down to the Queen City and nhtalkradio.com where you can get the live stream of the show and all the back episodes. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Continuing my conversation with musician Mike Laughlin. Uh, at the end of this uh, segment, we're going to be playing one of his songs as well as in the uh, last segment at the end of the hour, so please definitely tune in for that. Uh, we've been having a great conversation on kind of the, the state of the world when it comes to um, how people perceive culture and politics, I think, basically, is the way to say it. This has nothing to do with policy. I've discussed policy a lot, but there's, I think, culture and the way people perceive politics is just as important. Um, and, and I was kind of interested in what you were saying in the last segment. You view yourself as like in kind of old school progressive. Like, how, how would you uh, categorize Me- meaning that? Meaning that I'm the things that progressives stood for, let's go 15 years mm-hmm. ago, uh, let's say legalizing marijuana, uh, gay marriage. These are all things I'm in favor of. What progressives were trying to do back then was to make things that seemed wrong right. Mm -hmm. And I'm all in favor of all those things. Um, There just became a point in time where I don't identify with that anymore because Mm -hmm. I feel like things were getting to a point that seemed pretty darn good. And how do you... The point of, I feel like there's no end. It just keeps, they have to go, okay, we got here, we have to keep eating and keep going and mm-hmm. going. The monster has to feed itself. And if you're an activist or someone in that world, you can't just pack up bags and go, we, we won. Mm-hmm. You're a business. Yeah, and that's that's been my big issue with um, the hashtag resist movement, which is entirely what the progressive movement became. Is It stood for standing against something and that something over time changed and kept getting deeper because gay marriage was pushed through through the supreme court regardless of what you think of how whether the court should or shouldn't mm-hmm. have done it that way i personally think as a libertarian person yeah they should have gay marriage um and now we're they're pushing they're um correlating sexuality with gender which is a different thing and to to just classify it all as one thing is really strange when it comes to policy it's very strange it's also, and to get back to your cultural thing, mm-hmm. is arts become strange. Yeah. Because name me the last big comedy. Yeah. You can't see that. Name me, when rage, When did Rage Against the Machine become Rage for <laughs> yeah, the Machine? Exactly. Rage, rage is like the biggest thing. And, and more, even more recently, uh, Seth Rogen being a total nut job on Twitter. I mean, what... I don't even know where to begin with him. He, he, he Seth Rogen so has made Seth Rogen has made some of the funniest movies in the yes. last twenty years. Com- comedians are the court jester who tells us how ridiculous we mm-hmm. are, and now saying how ridiculous you are gets you in trouble. Right. And the point of a comedian is to do that. Yeah. It is to, and we we're so full of ourselves of narcissism, and the, again, I the phone has done this partially because now the world is always about you. 
always yeah, about you. So it's like, oh, now the least talented people, the most talented people were the ones we looked to to do these things because they could articulate things through in film mm-hmm. and writing and all these. And now everyone has an opinion. And everyone can see your opinion. Yeah. And everyone's opinion, if as long as you have a bigger Twitter account or a bigger Instagram following, you're suddenly just as important. And guess what? Sometimes it's it's okay to not know. Yeah, it's, it's okay to, to it's okay to yeah, not cool. know. Yeah. And but like culture just feels it was a big giant vacuum. However, I know right now, you know it exists. There's some 17, 18 year old sitting on a bed somewhere, writing a song. That's going to spark something. It's, I can feel it changing. Mm-hmm. I can. I, I think we're hitting a break. There, there's point. that, whether it's with Chappelle stuff and. Oh, so that's, this thing, to me personally, it's the, the the movies got entirely eaten up by Disney and such, where they it's entirely profit margin and uh, trying to virtue signal a certain perspective when it comes to a lot of things. Stand up comedy, on the other hand, as crazy as Netflix's uh, movie selections might be at times with cuties and such. They had Dave Chappelle on for his three specials, which were all amazing in my opinion. It's Stand-up comedy isn't always about just constant punchline, punchline all the time. Joe Rogan being on there and Spotify picking him up. Joe Rogan might be the most important figure in culture right now. For media, someone in media, he's, he is it. Well, he's the most imp- – why I say he's the most important is because he's got the money, the popularity, yep. and he's creating this kind of – if we're going to talk about a resistance – resistance which is hashtag resistance we saw <laughs> it's hard to have a resistance when the all the different tentacles of establishment are on your side mm-hmm. that's not a resistance yeah no there's no so resistance that's there. just it's it sounds fun everyone wants to be, i keep saying this constantly people are larping there's yeah, constant larping going because people read what, the, what happened in the 60s when the civil rights movement meant something when there was legitimate problems and so people look back and say that seems because there's nothing sexier and more exciting than being 20 years old and fighting for something because mm-hmm. the whole world's ahead of you. Your whole life's ahead of you. And you want to do something more than just sit on your butt. And do, you want to do something important. But guess what? It's not the same, it's not the same time. People are, it's historical appropriation. Mm-hmm. You're trying to steal from another time period to make your period legitimate the same way. And guess what? There are still problems, but it's not the thing it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that goes for a many different facets. So – we're running into this cultural kind of like roadblock and people can't figure out what to say and do. And then I have fear because if you lose, again, losing your peer group, yeah. losing being accepted on, in, in the, whatever industry or establishment you're in, good for the rebels, good mm-hmm. for them. And whoever stands – and again, you don't have to agree with it because who agrees with everyone on everything or some yeah. person on everything? It, it's my, silly. My, my, the way I think of if I have a – commentator or show I listen to if I agree with them more than 75% of their opinions that means I need to reevaluate whether it's a press I'm just taking in everything Good. they say it's is a true. Great, it's a great rule. It, it should, there should, there's a threshold of like 50 to 75% of what they're saying. To some extent, you agree with It's probably a pretty good thing. If it's more, if I don't agree with them at least 50%, uh, I, I just unsubscribe. It's, like I, it's just too frustrating. It just causes fr- uh, infuriating thoughts in my head every time I listen. But you like I like I already said, I listen to Ben Shapiro. I definitely don't agree with him on a lot mm-hmm. of things when it comes to foreign policy, but when it comes to the culture stuff, I agree with him a lot of it. No, I actually it, I actually like Shapiro too. Yeah. And again, I disagree with him a lot as well. Oh yeah. But I find him an interesting thinker. He's incredibly bright, mm-hmm. and I like hearing. Like I like here. I'll give you an example. He's over here on the right. Mm-hmm. I like Jimmy Dore, the comedian yeah. on the left. 
Again, I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff either. But I find their their Russell Brand. I like Russell Brand yeah. a lot. Who's not again? He's not political in the same kind of a way as Shapiro is because Shapiro's strictly politics. politics. But um, I find thinkers who are interesting. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the way the world was. Yeah. 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah, and another show that's uh, that's definitely more left is uh, Breaking Points. It used to be yep, on, I know, yep. uh, on the hill as Rising. It, it's a, a, yeah, Crystal and Sagar are amazing. I obviously would agree with Sagar a lot more, but and Crystal's definitely a progressive, but she's reasonable and, like you said, more of an old school progressive where she wants, uh, she, it's the show's very much focused on labor. It's not about the. What, that's the key one. Yeah, it's a class. Cla- class. Well, class has disappeared from the yes. left. It's gone because it doesn't get the votes the same way. Because right. again, remember, anyone who's paying attention to this, and I hate politics. I hate it, <laughs> but I do pay attention to it. Is they're all marketing. Right. It's all marketing. Yes. This is not a real. They don't really care about you. And that's not to say that every single politician doesn't care. But there's this kind of thing that you get in there and. They need to get votes to get elected and then to get reelected. Mm-hmm. And it's all about these things. And they're just saying the reason it's, it's pure pro wrestling until yeah. until people realize that they're play acting and there's a script for them to say and there's this play the game out and you watch it at home. And we secretly kind of know most people know it's not real, mm-hmm. but we go along with it. Yeah. Called called kayfabe. But like <laughs> it's it, it's 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 all silly. And we go along with it because we want to pretend it's kind of the adult version of Santa Claus. Yeah. You want to believe, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, it's I've been having our. It's been hard for me to to get politicians on the show because or in lobbyists because at after the first ten minutes of the of the segment, we we've covered the main topic why I brought them on. So I'll start to dive into like, okay, what makes you you a little bit, and then I start getting the company line. <laughs> and uh, like I had executive counselor Cindy Warmington on. It was a great interview. I'm enormously appreciative of her coming on to actually describe what the executive council is. But about 15 minutes in the interview, I started diving into it was like, what are you talking about by women's rights? You keep saying that and women's health rights. And I had big questions on that. And it was like, on she I'm a small show. I'm not going to say otherwise, but she refused to dive into what exactly she meant by that. And it left me with more questions of. What what did I just have on my show for the five minutes? Because I feel like I'm just being a mouthpiece for whatever this organization wants. Uh, the the NEA of New Hampshire on the show, their their director on there, it was a great conversation on the situation that teachers are dealing with, and, and I start getting into some of the stuff like you're totally this is you're only going to talk about that one thing, and I don't want to go any deeper than that personally. That's and that's. That stinks. Yeah, because you're getting, as you said, the company line, mm-hmm. and every everything now has become hashtags, yeah. bumper sticker philosophy. It's all just words that have no depth to them. And again, I'm not saying before politicians didn't do that. No, either of course not. Always because, okay, it, it isn't. <laughs> but it's right now because yeah. everyone, because everyone's carrying a camera. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a journalist now. Yeah. Everyone's a photographer. Everyone's a media maker, mm-hmm. so now everyone can see. So your every move you make, whether it's when you're going to wear a mask or not wear a mask, when you're going to say something or not say something, when you're going to, it's all calculated. Yes, because it's got, and it's not about reality; it's about perception. Mm-hmm. And if you see people, the perception that you have is creates your reality. So if people believe that they're saying, "Oh, that person is doing the good thing or the bad thing," and now you believe that based on the perception, it's wild. It's a wild time. And it's but again, coming down to art and art and po- art and politics are now basically 
in this one uniform place. Mm-hmm. It, we're watching state media and state culture. And as a person who's a natural contrarian in some ways, yeah. like that's my, my, I guess I would say my, my gut. And it's not, it's not a contrarian just to be different. Yeah. It's built up over years. But like my favorite thinkers were like Bill Hicks, the comedian, yeah. and George Carlin and Christopher Hitchens. And these people were like, were always thinking, well, if there's too many people over here, eh, yeah. I'm going over here. And there's a natural instinct I have for that too. It doesn't mean that I'm right. I mean, that's part of the reason why I've been comfortable having so many people that are they're very left-leaning on my show is because, like, I want to learn more about what they're saying. It's like, am I approaching this correctly? Am I just being uh, uh, contrarian or anti-establishment ju- just just because <laughs> a little bit? It's important bit. to find that in yourself. Uh, and, yeah. and that's the reason why I would never say, like, I'm a hard line one party or another, and I imagine you're in a similar boat when it comes to that. Yeah, it's not it, – again, I don't have – if you go back 15 years, you would see me mostly in the, li- the left. Mm-hmm. I would say I was mostly lining up with the left on things. Didn't means that I didn't have anything on the right. That would be – again, it's insane yeah. if I didn't. But I kind of – more than anything, I'm a BS detector, <laughs> and I thought the BS was on the right back then. Yeah. And I think the BS is in the left right now. And it, as it, especially, again, someone coming in the cultural world, the artistic world, it's weird because the, the cultural world, the world of art, was always the rebels. Mm-hmm. And it feels, again, it's yeah. a million reasons. It feels weird right now. And so it's awkward. It's a, it's a sad time. It's a really – it's. but again, it will end. It it's will end. end. It's going to get gonna better. End. It's going to get soon. It's, and that's the advantage with our current uh, digital world we live in is these independent creators can come out there and be so popular. Yeah. Like uh, speaking from kind of the cultural YouTube community, like Shoe on Head is tremendously popular. She's pretty damn left <laughs> socialist, pretty close. But when it comes to the culture war she's, stuff, she's like, this is garbage. Chris Reagan's another guy that's like that. Uh, Sargon of Akkad is another guy that ended up leaning more and more conservative over time. I'm a huge fan of his, but the, these digital creators are the future. And the mainstream media, in my opinion, like cable news is dead in a it's decade. Dead. It's still – Rogan's killed it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, you know who actually killed it? It was Jon Stewart. Oh, yeah. So, Daily so, Show. 100. So Jon Stewart got people of our generation kind of yeah. – if you're a certain – an older um, – people tuned into Jon Stewart for the news. Yeah, because he mocked people, and this is the saddest, one of the saddest deaths in all of pop culture. Was Stephen Colbert? Stephen Colbert was hilarious. Stephen Colbert was doing kind of a Bill O'Reilly yeah, mock-up. Totally, he's making on the fun right. of Fox News, and now he became a real life mock-up of himself. It's like it's yeah. it's so cringy, but he was so funny. Yeah, and, and, it's and so sad because Daily Show, but it's like, uh, like I'm I'm 34. Like Daily Show was on for a decent amount of time before I got to the point. But Claire Report was huge. They were, they were both huge. They were both, but they were also their people went there to get the news. Yeah, and at least have discussion. Mm-hmm. And now places like Rogan, which is huge, and you have like Tim Pool's mm-hmm. other big show. The people are going outside. The mainstream news is done. Yeah, and people can see it because of advertising. They can see they're seeing through it. And it's the the one the most beautiful thing Trump did, the most the best thing he did was he exposed the media for the phonies they are. He that again, you can hate on him completely. I, he is he's a horrible, gross person. Okay, I'm with you. Yes. Okay, but that doesn't mean that's not true. Right. And I and that I think people are starting to see these things. More eyes are opening. It's why I'm not, as people call it, black pilled. Yeah. I have more. I have more hope. I do see. 
I do see the world getting brighter. As dark and scary as it seems right now, I see people kind of coming together saying a lot of hopeful things. And again, I don't pretend to know. Like I, I, I'm genuinely a curious person. Place to be in. Yeah, I'm a genuinely curious person, and I'm going to always kind of punch where if you're if you're telling me something, I'm gonna try and go around that a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think more and more people should do that. It, again, it doesn't mean you're gonna you right into a dead end. But like if you don't, if you just completely don't, if you don't question anything, come on, and then then it's that's a it's not really you're not living up to being a human. Mm-hmm. But B, you're also it's going to be uh, sad for you. Michael Laughlin, thank you so much. It was a great conversation yeah, today. Thank you. All right. All right. You're listening to New England Take Care and WKXL. We're going to throw it out right here on his song Saturday Night Girls. Be sure to follow him on Facebook and such. You're listening to New England Take. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead.
Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kearsed. We're going to be throwing it to one last song here with Mike Laughlin. Be sure to find him on Facebook and performing in the Lakes region. A great conversation today on the world, and I really appreciate him coming in here. Here's his song, Little Glass Houses. Talk to you next week.